Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Um, to postpone our Sunday night prayer meetings yet for a little while, just to kind of let you know, but if you want to come, amen, you're more than welcome to come. I like uh, being here sometimes and somebody drops in and they come into the sanctuary or wherever and they begin to pray and and uh, the, I, I'm hoping that uh, if they acknowledge and they're aware that I'm here, maybe they'll even pray for me. Hallelujah. All right, and uh, we want to uh, thank uh, Sister Janelle uh, for, amen, giving us that good report on Wednesday night, and uh, amen, we appreciate that very much, and if you're interested, if you were not able to attend Wednesday night, and you would like a copy of the minutes or the report, if you have questions, you are, amen, free to ask uh, Sister Janelle, hallelujah. All right. We're going to call your attention this morning to the book of Leviticus, chapter number 16, and we're going to read verses 1 and 2, and then 5 through 10. Amen. This is, uh, I honestly, I, I don't know if I've ever preached uh, on this, uh, in this area before, but probably Leviticus chapter number 16, verses 1 and 2 and 5 through 10. Here we go. All right. And the Lord spake unto Moses, listen carefully here. The Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord and died. Kind of a solemn occasion there. Verse number 2. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron your brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. In other words, God is saying, Hey, Moses, make sure your brother Aaron, boy, what, a, what an awesome brother, son, and sister. How would you like to be in that family? Miriam, Aaron, and Moses, pretty good, uh, and pretty good uh, brothers and sisters there. But he was saying, tell Aaron, now we're, we're about to begin something very, very powerful, and you need to remind Aaron, this is not just any old service here that we're coming into, and he can't just go behind that curtain anytime he wants to. In fact, it was pretty serious business there if you read. All right? And then, uh, so he's getting ready to, to go to a place he's never been before. And then verse number five. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer his bull 
of the sin offering, excuse me, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell, offer him for a sin offering, but the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be, shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. And I'd like to talk to you this morning on this thought, looking for a scapegoat. Amen. And if you would, I would like you to lift your hearts to the Lord here for a couple of minutes. And uh, amen. And let's, uh, let's uh, just call on his name here. I know we all have needs here this morning. I'm sure there is somebody here that has a need. And uh, we still believe in the power. Brother Clemson, thank you for that lesson. We believe in the power of miracles. We believe that the Lord is present among his people. And we believe that he can minister to you, amen, through the Holy Ghost and through his word here. How many of you believe that? Would you join with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for another opportunity to assemble together, Lord. And we know that we, all, we are an ordained assembly, God. You have called us. You have brought us together. And we are thankful for that. And we're asking that you would minister to us here today. Amen, Lord. Touch our hearts. Touch our minds. Draw us ever closer to you. Hallelujah. And we promise we will give you the praise that you are deserving of. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Scapegoat. It is mentioned four times in this chapter, and then we never find it again. Scapegoat comes from a Hebrew word, I don't know how to pronounce it, called azawl, which means to go away or to disappear. Our dictionary defines scapegoat as this, to punish someone else for the errors of someone else. A person who takes blame for another's action. And the blame game has been going on since the beginning of creation. Right? Sure it has. Genesis 2.16, 17. The Lord commanded Adam, saying, <coughs> Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Chapter number 3, verses 1 through 5, the devil deceives Eve. We know the story. Verse number 6, Bible tells us, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eye, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and did eat 
and gave some also to her husband with her, and he, he did eat. You ever came, men, husbands, you ever came home and, and the first words out of your mouth, hey, dear, what's for dinner? I don't know if Adam asked Eve that or not. But, uh, hey, Eve, what's for dinner? Well, something new that I think you'll like, right? And then we know that because they broke the commandment of God, that shame and guilt entered into their lives. Their eyes were opened. They did not become gods, but their eyes were opened. It, they were open to a knowledge that came from that tree between good and evil. And we know that they hid. They actually hid from the presence of God. God came walking in the garden in the cool of the day, called out Adam's name. Listen carefully, verse number 11. The question comes to Adam. <coughs> the Lord says, Adam, have you eaten from the one from that one tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The answer should have been a simple yes or no, right? You ever, how many of you parents, right? You ask your, your kid a question, your child a, a question, son or daughter, and it should be a simple yes or no, and it doesn't turn out that way sometimes. And instead of the simple answer yes or no, here's what happened. Adam says, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Looking for a scapegoat, a blame game. Hello. Right. And then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I did eat. Eve looking for a scapegoat, looking for a way out, looking for someone else to blame for one's own actions. Good luck on that. And listen to this. I think the ultimate weapon of Satan is to cause disunity among the human race. I believe this is what took place. Watch this, okay? A broken relationship with God. Disunity. Disunity. A broken relationship with God, hiding literally from the presence of God. That, that's what the devil, that's what the adversary and the enemy of your soul, if he can cause you, disunity, a division, a separation. If he can separate you from your walk with God, you've got problems. Are you with me? And then also a broken relationship with each other. Do you think maybe in the back of Adam's mind at times he thought about whether he could trust Eve? Come on, let's be real. Well... Yeah, she got me in trouble one time. I'm not sure we're going there again, Eve. Hello. 
You see, you see, that is, I believe, the the ultimate weapon of the devil. If he can break your relationship and your trust with God and cause you to fear God and to hide out from God, and if he can break your relationship with your brother or your sister, your wife, your, if he can break that and cause mistrust and a lack of faith, hello. And I'm convinced. And I'm, I'm sure that Eve thinking at times, wow, Adam ratted me out, man. <laughs> hello. Don't you think there was just a little bit of mistrust now that was beginning to happen because of what took place there? He laid the blame on me, he probably said. And maybe they also became aware of their own weakness when exposed to temptation. In other words, they now begin to doubt themselves of, wow, I didn't know I was capable of that. That is, that was, wow, disunity. Disunity. If he can separate you from your walk with God, if he can separate you from your trust in your brother or your sister, if you could show me, uh, Brother uh, Ryan, I put two photos up there, or I emailed them anyway, I don't yeah. Okay, there's one, uh, doesn't matter which one's first, but this is just kind of, here we go. <laughs> teamwork, right? I like teamwork. It gives, it gives you the chance to blame somebody else. Right? <laughs> See, that's a bad thing about golf, is there's nobody to blame but yourself. Right? If you're a sports enthusiast. But teamwork. Then there's another one. Here's a good one. Somebody read that for me. I can't read it from here. As I turn around. Brian, can you read that? <laughs> that reminds you of maybe kind of today of what uh, is going through. Amen. But you see, it's the blame game. Everybody seems to be looking for a scapegoat in today's world. There are even new phrases being introduced into our vocabulary. Phrases such as systemic racism, white privilege, racial equity. One only has to go back into world history of the 30s and 40s and you'll find this kind of rhetoric lead to blaming one class of people for an entire nation's problem. And we're not going to dive into the basis of these new terms. I'm, we're not going to get all political here this morning, but I will just say that I am of the opinion that these are just another form of people looking for a scapegoat. One of the biggest news headlines last week was Facebook's loss of $251 billion in market value, 26%, and a headline read this, Zuckerberg blames TikTok. And I, my question, 
who and what is TikTok? The only TikTok I know is the nursery rhyme, Hickory Dickory Dock. The mouse ran up the clock. You guys don't remember that, do you? But apparently it's a bit more serious when your company is losing money to a fairly new startup company out of China? Well, let's move forward to our scripture here in Leviticus, Leviticus 16. What's happening here? God's given Moses instruction for the nation of Israel's most holy day ever of worship. This was the Sabbath of Sabbaths. This was the Day of Atonement. This was the epitome of God manifesting His glory at that point in the history of humanity through a nation of people. And so, He's given Moses instruction. The Day of Atonement. Atonement means to cover one's debt. They had to go through it every year because uh, every year the bills piled up spiritually. Their sins accumulated spiritually. And God was setting in order something that had to take place if you wanted to be a part of His kingdom. It wasn't an option if you wanted to be part of God's plan. Are you with me? So the Day of Atonement. Atonement simply means to cover one's debt. And if you were flying the flag of Israel, the Day of Atonement, it was serious business. They needed to get it right. Hello. Aaron had already lost two of his sons in the 10th chapter because they had made a mistake and offered strange fire unto the Lord while ministering. In fact, God said to Moses and Aaron, He said, Aaron, don't you don't even... I'm not even giving you the option or the opportunity to mourn for your two sons. You are to get with your calling and ministering on behalf of my nation of people. He didn't even get a chance to mourn for his sons. Serious business. Serious business, the Day of Atonement. It had never taken place yet. This was the beginning. I like to hear something that I like to, to tell people. Mistakes are important. Get them right the first time. Right. And the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of Aaron's two sons who died after they entered the Lord's presence and burned the wrong fire before him. The Lord said to Moses, Warn your brother not to enter the most holy place behind the inner curtain whenever he chooses. 
If he does, he will die. For the ark's cover, the place of atonement is there. The place where I cancel the debt of the sins of my people is there. It is not just a dress rehearsal. It's not something that we are just playing around with. Tell Aaron that he can't just enter into my presence anytime he wants. For the atonement is there. The place of the atonement, the ark, the cover, the mercy seat. And listen to this. And I myself am present in the cloud above the mercy seat. When Aaron enters the sanctuary area, he must follow these instructions fully. Verse number 4, of, of, I'll go through them here quickly. Verse number 4 of chapter 16, it's shower and dress-up time when he enters into the presence of God. Carefully. It's not a practice run. It's not a dress rehearsal. Hello. This is, but Jeff, this is not, we're not here to, this is not a dress rehearsal, folks. This is not a practice run. You and I are here today in the presence of God because we believe that He has already covered that ark, released mercy out of that holy of holy place, and it is now accept, it is accept, accessible to every one of us. He said, tell Aaron, he gotta, he gotta, he's got to take a shower and he's got to dress. He needs to offer a bowl for his own sin offering first which included sprinkling blood on the east side of the mercy seat. In other words, Aaron, you got to first make things right in your life before you can help somebody else. Aaron, you got to get right with God first before you can help your brother. you got to understand you've got to enter into the presence of God. You've got to repent. You've got to go to that place of the altar. And then you have got to get right with God before. Then he must take two male goats, present them to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. So Aaron goes in. He slays a bull on the outside. This is for him. This is for his family. He slays that bull. He enters in. He takes that, that, uh, uh, the incense with him. And uh, he enters behind the holy curtain. And there he spreads the smoke of that incense so it covers the mercy seat. And he, he sprinkles blood upon the east side of that covenant, Ark of the Covenant, seven times the Bible says. Now he's good. He comes back out. God says, you need to take two goats. You need to have them face the tabernacle. Their backs to the people. He says, once you get through in there, you come out and you are going to draw lots for those two goats. Wow. 
kind of an interesting concept in the Bible. They do it quite often. And so what happens is, he says, one of those goes. He, he takes, he puts it, they say he, there's a jar of some kind. He puts his hand in. He draws it out. One goat gets a scarlet thread around the horn. That's going to be the, the scapegoat. The other goat gets slain. An offering, a sin offering for the rest of the people. Incidentally, probably, yeah, there's probably a few more than in our assembly here this morning. There's probably around, around, somewhere, around, possibly over a million people. Hundred thousand families. Hello? Hey, what did you say, Brother Clemson? What did you say, 800? What did you say, 800 in, your, in that service? Oh, I know, I'm lowballing. Hello. You understand, this was, so they go out. God says, Moses, he says, tell Aaron, now you got two, you've, you've taken care of your own business now. He says, there's two goats. He says, they, I want you to, they, they are to face, they are to face that, the tabernacle in the holiest of holies. Him. He says, you're going to draw out. He says, one of those goats is going to, when you, you're going to, they say they, they tied a scarlet thread around one of its horns. He says, that's going to be the scapegoat. The other one, he says, you are to slay. Now, he goes through the same process, the same process he goes through. He goes behind that holy curtain. He goes behind the holy curtain. He, he uh, again, he sprinkles blood on that mercy seat. He comes back out. He comes back out. Now this is where this is where it gets interesting. He comes back out, the Bible says, and, and what he does is he puts both hands upon the head of that other goat. Both hands. In fact, the if you dig into the wording, it says that he presses. Presses down on that goat's head. And he confesses all of the sins, the iniquities, and the transgressions of the nation of Israel. He puts them upon the head of that goat. Now, he doesn't do that until after the first goat that the blood is sprinkled on the mercy seat. But the Bible says he presses down on that he confesses all of the sins on, of the children of Israel. He confesses all of them. And the Bible says that then, he says, you send him away. You send that goat away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities into a land not inhabited. And he shall let that goat go into the wilderness. The blood atonement had to be made before the sins could be driven away. The book of Hebrews tells us this was a type and a shadow of the perfect sacrifice that would come some 1,500 years down the road. John said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. 
While on the cross, that perfect Lamb of God, the Son of God, on the cross, Jesus, some of the last words that He said, He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. He goes on and He says, it is finished. And that veil was torn from top to bottom. Isaiah had told us 700 years prior, he said, there's going to come one. He is going to be despised and rejected of men. He's going to be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed, the Bible says. John writing, 1149, at the time that the, uh, the religious people were trying to figure out what in the world they were going to do with this one that the people were claiming to be the Son of God. That one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, listen, spoke up. And he said, you do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. John says he did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. Colossians says he forgave us all our sins having canceled the charge of our legal in debt. He canceled our debt, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the power and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. After Aaron had confessed, Confess the sins of Israel on the head of that live goat. The Bible says he was to pass it over to a fit man. To a fit man. What is that? He says, Aaron. My iPad is not working. Something went wrong. Please try again. Really? I don't wear my watch anymore on Sundays because it always thinks I'm falling down because of this. You know. Moses said, Aaron, when you get done, he says, when you get finished, I will, he says, now listen, I wonder what the sound of air, it's not recorded. I wonder what Aaron sounded like when he, after he had been twice in behind the curtain, and he and only he, only him, had been in the Shekinah presence of God, had made it through, come out twice, and then he understood the significance of what he was going to do 
he was going to confess the entire sins of the nation of Israel, put them upon the head of that goat, and then the Bible says that he was going to have a fit man. That means that there was going to be a chosen man that was ready for the task at hand. And that man's whole entire responsibility, after they had went through that whole process, the most holy day of the year, every year it was going to be the same. And then Aaron, after putting the sins upon that goat, he would lead that goat outside the gate of Jerusalem. And there, a man kind of like an Olympian. The Bible says, fit man, Aaron. He says, make sure that he's ready to do his responsibility. And, the, and Aaron would lead that goat outside of Jerusalem. They say around uh, the Mount of Olives, somewhere out there, he would hand off that goat to this man. Fit man says that, it means that he was ready to go. He was ready to accept his responsibility to make sure that the sins of those people were not only just blood washed inside of that Holy of Holies, but his responsibility was to make sure that those sins were absolutely gone into oblivion and never to be remembered again. And it was approximately, they say, it was somewhere around probably 10 miles or 12 miles. And they say that there was probably somewhere around 10 different stations set up along the way. And I don't know how easy it is to herd a goat. That goat's got, they, the rabbi, the writings, historians say that they tied a, a red ribbon around one of his horns. And can you, can you, uh, uh, can you imagine the, the response? That fit man, that man that he knew, oh boy, I get to run. I get to run that goat all the way out into oblivion. I get to make sure that those people know that their sins have absolutely been cast out and driven away, and never remembered. The Day of Atonement. <laughs> they say that there was ten stations along the way to monitor and make sure that his responsibility was carried out. <laughs> he went to station number one, took a little rest. That goat probably wanted to go one direction. And that man, that fit man that responsible man, that man that was called to do that particular duty that day, he, he probably had, oh, no, oh, no, buddy. No, sir, you are going out. I'm going to make sure that when we get finished that everybody's going to know that you are gone, you have disappeared, you have crossed into oblivion, and nobody is going to remember your sins that you bore anymore. Station number two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And the writers, the commentaries, the historians, they say that 
when he gets to number 10, the 10th mile out there. He is hurting. Listen, the job has not been completed until the news reaches back to the temple that it's done. And as he reaches the booth number 10, they say that wherever, whichever one it was, that he has to stay there. Him and the person that is manning the fireworks booth, if you will. <laughs> they stand there and they, they watch and he makes sure that, that goat's probably saying, no way, man. I'm turning. No, no, you aren't. I'm making sure that you, I'm going to drive you. Yeah, I'm going to drive you, devil, in all the sins. I'm going to drive you out into outer space. They say that they walk carefully until that goat finally. It completely disappeared, carrying the sins, the transgressions, the guilt, and the shame until they could see it no more. And then they say that they would wave one flag, one flag bearer would wave, and the, 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 he would make sure that he got close enough to the next station, and they would do a... a uh, uh, re-stepping, you know, backing up kind of thing. And they, they would go on. The flag would be raised that, that, hey, it's done. It's finished. Those sins are gone. We can't see them no more. And they, they would start waving the flag. And it would start going backwards. The, the station 9 and 8 and 7 and 6 and 5 and 4 and 3 and 2 and 1. And how many people again, Brother Clementson, are probably gathered? Couple mil. You see, they're not celebrating yet because the news hasn't reached them yet. Only when finally that the news reaches the Temple Square area. That, uh, okay, that scapegoat, he has disappeared. All of the sins of the year, all of the transgressions, all of your guilt, all of your shame has disappeared. It, we can't see it no more. It's been cast out. And then they say that it was then that the people were finally able to celebrate because the blood had already been offered on the altar. But the sin, they needed to understand that it wasn't just covered up. That it was driven away. That it was driven far away out of their sight. They were not supposed to remember it anymore because God had taken care. Blame game. We live in it, don't we? World wants to blame. But sometimes, you ever met the one that wants to blame their ancestors? Right? Dude, I'm, 
reason that I am the way that I am is because I got dealt some bad DNA, you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> no, no, you know, I've been there. Yeah, I get it. Introduce me to some of your family and we'll make it happen for you. Judaism, we're always whole God. Isaiah wrote, Jesus said, cast all your care. He said, put them on me, man. He said, I want you to put them. He said, cast all. In the Amplified, it says that cast all your care, your anxiety, your worries, your concerns, your guilt, your the things that you're dealing with. He said, I want you to understand that I accepted them all and I nailed them to the cross for you. He said, when I did that, listen, he not only is my high priest, he's not only my perfect Lamb of God, but he is my scapegoat. Every time, Brother Ollie, every time I get into a situation, every time I feel the weight of something, every time I feel the anxiety of what's taken place in the world today, I've got to remember that Jesus said, listen, son, I want you to be able to understand that you can put it all on me and I will take it from you. I will take it all on you. Oh, you've got to It's important. I believe that the church gets this today. Listen, the veil is torn. The word finally gets back to the. You got it. You, you can't even imagine the number of people that were there. They were anticipating and waiting. Listen, this was part of the annual process of the atonement, the redeem, redemption of God's plan. This was a part of it. Those people couldn't rejoice until that fit man came back with the good news message that your sins, they have been completely obliterated from history. First Peter, Peter writes 5-7, casting all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on Him, for He cares about you with deepest affection, and He's watching over you very carefully. That's why the writer in Psalm 103.12, he said this, he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Hold of this church. We need to understand. Listen, there are people that I know, and even myself sometimes, uh, I struggle with my past failures. Anybody there? You gotta, how you tell me, how long does it take God to forgive your sins and your failures? Does He have to have a conference? Does He have to? Does he have to have a meeting with Gabriel and, and Michael? 
Does he have to discuss it? No. Bible says that we can come boldly, boldly into the presence and have access to the throne of what? Judgment? No, the throne of grace. In other words, Jesus said, I'm going to open this thing up for you and you need to get the idea that you don't need to beat yourself up from your past failures in life. You need to run with this thing because there is a message that God didn't just forgive you, but He casted all of those things away and they are in oblivion. You can't even find them. And guess what? They never went looking for them. They didn't go looking for it. They didn't go looking for it and trying to have a self-pity party and, you know, hey, wait a minute, I need to, you know, I need to... They They couldn't find it. Why? Because God knew, He knows today that when He deals with you, and me, it is an absolute kick off in death, into no man's land. It says in, in an uninhabited land. You, you can study that word, azawul, or whatever it's called. It's got some really weird, you know, ideas on what it actually means. But oh my goodness. I am thankful this morning that I have that scapegoat in my life. I'm thankful that I can put everything, I can put everything on him and he is willing to bear he is willing to bear the load of whatever it is that listen he's big enough. He's strong enough. He can carry the load. You and I, we can't, but He can. He can carry it. If you're here today and you're dealing with those those kinds of things, listen, God doesn't need it. When when the Bible, when when Peter asked Him, He says, Peter asked the Lord, He says, Hey Lord, how many times do I need to forgive my brother? Well, you know, in a day, four hundred ninety times, if it happened. So you tell him now, okay, if you're if you're gonna forgive, all right, brother brother Jacob, if you're gonna, you know, forgive brother Jeff four hundred and ninety times in a day, how much how long is that gonna take you? It'll take you a while. <laughs> four hundred and ninety times. Listen, Jesus does not, he does not need to hold a conference. And you and I need to understand that when that blood that blood has been applied, that your sin, the Bible says he nailed them to the cross. They're dealt with. Sometimes we just we forget. We should be jumping and shouting and running every time we come into the house of God. Why? Well, because it. 
because he has he hadn't just forgiven me, man. He has driven them out. And that's looking. I, I love that that fit man. They a fit man. God needs you and I need to be fit people. You understand? In other words, what do you say? You need to you need to drive you need to drive those sins out of you. You need to drive them. You when you need to believe when when if you're praying and you're repenting, if you are repenting and asking God's forgiveness, you need to drive those things come and try to get it in your mind and your heart again. You need to drive them out. You need to completely drive them out until they are absolutely gone. As you stand with us this morning. Micah 7, 19. He shall again have compassion on us. He will subdue and tread underfoot our wickedness, destroying sin's power. Yes, you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. We are, we're human. But there's two things I just want to leave with you. Number first thing, listen, only you are accountable for your own life. Only you. Only you. Don't blame it on Eve. Okay? You can try to blame it on the devil. And, you know, Adam had partial truth, of course. Eve had partial truth, of course, because the devil was there, and, of course, Eve was the... First, uh, you know, partaker of the whole situation. But listen, listen. All you and you alone are responsible for your actions. You and you alone are responsible for your walk with God. You are never going to lay it on the closest person to you. You might as well forget trying to lay it up to your uh, bad DNA. Forget that nonsense. other thing is, is that you and I, we need to absolutely make sure that we don't treat this thing like a dress rehearsal. This is the real deal. This is the real deal. This is it. When when we come into the when we come to the house of God, make a big deal. It is a big deal. You understand? Because this is the place. Bible says that judgment first begins at the house of God. In other words, not we're we are allowing our sins to be judged by the Lamb of God in the house of God. All right, we're dealing with it. We are dealing with it right here and right now, and that's why it is so absolutely important that we should never, ever, ever leave the presence of God or a, a, a service. We should never, ever leave without, at a minimum, of saying, God, search me. Search me, Lord. Forgive me, because I am not perfect. And Lord, I confess, I believe that you as my Savior, that I can confess everything right on you, and you will be able to deal with it. Because we're 
we're in this little space of time, and they, we are, boy, it's wrapping up in a hurry. Is there a scripture, you know, because unless they, unless their days were shortened, I could very likely be deceived or something like that. We were talking here recently, and can you even believe that? And I don't want to get all sports-minded here, but can you believe that it was eight years ago that Seattle won the Super Bowl? One of my classmates here the other day, and they, they got a child that's going to turn 50 this year. Yeah, you can read between the lines if you want. We're not looking for, we're not playing the blame game. Mason? We're not at all. I am looking for the scapegoat when it comes to my, to my, my humanity, my sin. I'm looking for the scapegoat person. I want to, I want, I want to put it all on. I want to put it all right where it is supposed to go. My high priest. As long as I'm open, you understand how really how easy it is if we are. How was the Bible say? If we are. Faithful and if we uh, confess or whatever, right? He is faithful and just to forgive us. In other words, if if I'm just open and honest with Him, Lord, I know, Lord, I I I know I weigh a lot. Man, we want to give everyone an opportunity here today. We want to give you a chance to come and seek the Lord for a few minutes. And I challenge you today, really I do, I challenge you that before you leave, at a minimum, have a little chat with the Lord, right? I mean, that not that why we're here? Isn't that why we're here, right? Isn't that why we're here? Hey, man, if, if you want to come and... If you need a miracle, if you need a miracle, amen, it is here. It's here today. It's available. It's available. Everything he did, everything he did was for us. It was for us. Would you come this morning? Hallelujah. Do us all good. Come, seek the Lord for a few minutes. Thank him for his mercy. Thank him for his grace. Thank him for what he did at Calvary's cross. And oh Lord, 
Thank you for the good news, Lord. Thank you for the wonderful news that, that my sins are they're completely gone into oblivion. And the better news is, Lord, that you went to you went to the, the you went to the grave and you went to that place called death and you defeated it and you came out victorious and, and you gave us you gave us the good news that eternal life is available now through the plan of salvation. And we're so very thankful. Oh, come on, would you? That's it. Come on, let's lift our hearts to Him. Let's lift our hearts to Him. Oh, that's it. That's it. Come on, let's feel the presence of the Lord here. Oh, Jesus. Jesus' blood that shed for me. You are wonderful, Lord. You are mighty. Saving blood. You are so good to us, Lord. From Calvary. Oh, the Lamb of God. 